0: Hey James
1: Steven, how are you doing? I'm great because Manush Samarodi is here Hi Manush. How's it going? I'm good Guest
2: host of the day on question of the day
1: We felt that we were, even though we were doing our best, Manush, James and I We've been working our hardest here in the QOD booth Mm. I just felt we weren't hitting the mark and we needed some help. We thought, well, who better than Manouche?"
0: Men who admit their weaknesses? Oh. I am so here. You are haven't you listened kidding? to our show. That's all I we talk am- about well, is yeah. our weaknesses.
1: <laughs> we have no strengths. All Stephen talks about are my weaknesses. Manouche, we're very, very happy to have you here. Manouche is the you. host of a wonderful WNYC-produced podcast called Note to Self, which if you haven't listened to it, you should. So. Thank you. And uh, Manush, note to self: Listen to note to self. That's nicely right. done, James Altucher, <laughs> star of radio and Our marketing
0: slickness is working. James, <laughs> I'm so thrilled. So I totally got a question for
1: you guys today. You yeah. guys being both from Jersey, we've determined right. Yes, this is a question of my own device, inspired by a question from a, a listener who tweeted to us at QOD. So Brady Wood, who's at at Brady Wood 15, if you want to tweet him back, anyone. He wrote to QOD: What is the best way to effectively give? A friend or loved one, constructive criticism. I like that question. I refashioned it slightly because I don't think any of us are very good at giving constructive mm. criticism because I think we're all a little bit on the, you know, unconstructive side. But so here's the question I wanted to ask, which is inspired by Brady: How do you respond to feedback, negative or positive? Because it strikes me that everybody says that they want feedback, you know, constructive criticism, but mm. it's hard to say if they do. So I, I'd love to hear from you, Manouche and James. About how you respond. So, Manuš, if I listen to your show,
0: yeah,
1: and I say, all right, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for real. I heard you on the radio mm-hmm. not long ago, and it was a really good piece. I really enjoyed it. And it was you interviewing a journalist who compiles a, I believe, daily oh. uh, Washington Post email
0: yeah, uh, e- email Dewey. newsletter. She's Caitlin doing. Mm-hmm.
1: And you had her come on your show mm-hmm. and give. Listeners, her three most memorable or interesting, you know, kind of tech or web, I guess web moments from the year, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting. I learned some stuff. It was entertaining, but then at the end of it, ah. no, I, well, okay, this will be a good test because I'm really doing it right here. And you're, but then at the end, I thought, you know, I want to hear Manoush do that. Mm. I if Manush, if that's Manoush's show, I want Manoush to tell me the three things that happened this year.
0: Well, I will take that constructive criticism because it's actually incredibly flattering. So this is a little inside baseball, but we do a very short version of our podcast for Morning Edition for radio, so you only hear a little bit of it. But in the podcast, I said the reason why I needed Caitlin to do it is because she is the 26 year old version of myself.
1: Huh. She's so the person it was like her.
0: Yeah, well, giving it. it yeah, it was kind of, <laughs> like to a be honest, mini
1: version of her giving it. What was her name?
0: Her name is Caitlin Dewey. How do you spell she, Caitlin? K, uh, no, a K C. C? A. I. T. L. I. N. I was and, just
1: seeing if Caitlin was somehow an anagram for Manoosh, but <laughs> I couldn't make it happen. <laughs> her right.
0: email, her daily email, is called Links. I would G chat you if we were friends. Dude, I don't have any time that's to a, g-chat my friends' links. I have two little kids. I that's run. A great idea. I have a podcast. Like, I don't have time, so I rely on very smart millennials like Caitlin to keep me in the know. And frankly, I don't think listening to me yak away for twenty minutes would be that interesting. I like having a foil, just as James is to you, Stephen.
2: Well, and, and no, Stephen, I'm his foil. He's not my foil. But oh. Manouche uh, is known for consuming internet stuff from highly curated lists. That's her, that's that's my her thing. thing. So <laughs> Thanks, James. So I will, I will add, though, to your constructive criticism because I like the idea of getting Caitlin's because that's what she does for a living, right. but it would have been good to do both, maybe.
0: This is, this is good. This is very constructive. But to go back to your original question, I don't think I'm very good at giving uh, constructive criticism nor receiving it.
1: I thought you just received it pretty well. Because
0: it was nice. But if it but wasn't that, as it was nice...
1: Right. maybe. Well, maybe that's the point, is the line between constructive criticism and criticism. Well, okay, so here's the question. Uh, is constructive criticism inherently, let's say, inoffensive? Can you get constructive criticism that's really maybe rude and um, difficult to, to hear, even though it is very constructive? Okay, I got
0: some constructive criticism. After that show, I got an email from an unnamed listener who beseeched me as a parent and a professional never to use the word likes and totally as often as I did in that podcast. Mm. That he has worked with his children to wean them of using those words, and here I was setting a terrible example.
2: So so that's interesting because that might be actually
1: constructive advice delivered in a destructive way.
0: Yeah, I wanted to it. No, wait. Why, it. Is
1: that necessary? So when I think constructive criticism, I think it helps the person who's receiving it mm. to build and grow and do better.
0: That's the key, right? So the constructive to good criticism is not only saying what you found to be wrong, but telling them how to make it better. Like you're saying, but also I wanted to hear more of you. You could have done this yourself. You build me up a little bit. You tell me what to do. You, like that's the best part of it.
2: See, I think I think constructive criticism involves knowing your audience too. So you were able to deliver the criticism to Manoush in such a way that wasn't insulting. And so that's part of being constructive.
1: May I constructively criticize the two of you? Please. We're more talking about how to give it. I wanna talk about how to get it. I mean, we've talked a little bit about how to get it. Remember, my question of the day is how do you respond to feedback, negative or positive? Okay,
2: I will tell you for me. (laughs) I've got one. So I do a a lot of writing, and then underneath the writing there's comments, like if you post on blogs or whatever. Yeah, we're familiar with the interwebs. (laughs) <laughs> it's on the World Wide Web, W. I should do a show
0: on that about mm. this thing called comments. Okay, go on.
2: So what I do is in general, I imagine that this is a discussion happening in my living room. And if I wouldn't like the person in my living room, you know, I yeah. would kick them out. So I, I would and never allow them back. So I would delete the comment. Now, if, that doesn't mean I'm against people disagreeing with me. If someone disagrees and wants to have a discussion just like they would in my living room, I'd have a discussion with them. But if someone is like, "You're a stupid idiot," like, "How but could you possibly think that?" that's not constructive criticism. Right, it's not constructive criticism, but he was asking any feedback in general. So that kind of negative that's how I determine if whether to that do, delete That is the or famous not.
1: living room rule of comment moderation. Seriously, there, there that's really? what we used. I you, remember, wait, really? yeah, year, years ago <laughs> when when we started our free economics blog, which was a long time ago, ten years ago. Then we moved it uh, for a while onto the New York Times site, which had a very different moderation comment. They were much more, much less accepting of rancor. Let's say mm. Levitt and I were like anything, Bring it. anything you want. We uh, we just thought it was funny. It's like if you're a writer, you have your say, then people should have their say. If it's you know ad hominem and ad nauseum and ad et cetera, then maybe. But, but there's um, a line there in what you just said,
2: right? Somebody is not, okay, so go ahead.
1: No, all it was was somebody back then, I think it might have been like Cory Doctor or something, I don't know if he invented it, but somebody basically said, here, it's not that complicated people deciding what's okay and what's not. It's as if you invite them into your living room, and if you say something that you wouldn't say in someone's living room, then you probably shouldn't be allowed to to come back and comment in a blog, because the environment it creates gets to be toxic pretty pretty quickly. And that's you know, but that's why we've talked about anonymity and how it can be a cloak for ad hominem, nauseam, et
0: cetera.
2: Take a moment to listen to this message while we figure out
1: where this answer is headed. This episode of Question of the Day is brought to you by The Motley Fool. Founded with the mission to help the world invest better, The Motley Fool provides simple and easy-to-use stock recommendations to more than 500,000 subscribers. Every month, founders and brothers Tom and David Gardner issue two new stock recommendations to members of their flagship service Motley Fool Stock Advisor. After nearly 14 years, Stock Advisor is crushing the market. As of the end of 2015, the average recommendation is up nearly 200% versus just under 60% for the measly S&P 500. Why settle for average performance and excessive fees charged by mutual funds? Stock Advisor makes it simple to build a portfolio of stocks. Past winners include Netflix, up more than 6,000%, and Priceline, up more than 5,000%, plus dozens of other recommendations that have more than doubled. Even more exciting, Stock Advisor just released its latest two recommendations for January, and there's still time to get in. Thanks to a special offer for Question of the Day listeners, you can claim a free trial a stock advisor and discovered these newest recommendations as well as all of their other recommendations simply go to question.fool.com to start investing better again that's question.fool.com I'll wait
0: can i just say sure. you just reminded me of one of the best pieces of re- advice that i ever received in wait my let's guess life. don't
1: tell us let's guess 20 questions was it advice from a person older than you? No. Was it advice from someone in this room? No. Was it advice from someone younger than you? No. What, do you have a twin? No. It wasn't older than you, no. not younger than no. you. Was it a human?
0: Yes, it was a human. It was, was a very, very—
1: Who was neither older than nor younger than you? He
0: and I were at college together, and I remember— Oh, you're just the
1: same age. It's not yeah, like you're from the, same, the same,
0: same— No. Oh. He's not like my so this spirit was a... animal or something. <laughs> so
1: that was a whole red herring there. He the completely. Sorry, I don't know. Sorry. I
0: wasn't sure where you were going. I was Wait, like, you
1: said he is a spirit
0: animal? No, he— He's well, not. He was. We were Is college. he dead? No. <laughs> Before the internet, right? The World
1: Wide Web, for those in the past Yes.
0: Someone who's not
1: dead, who's your age, Mm. who you knew in college. Who I
0: knew in college. Was
1: he a lover?
0: No, just a very good friend. His name was Josh Hickey. We are no longer in touch. But— Maybe now. Maybe now. He's listening. Okay, I remember this very clearly. He said to me, I was complaining because somebody had been, like, spreading a rumor about me or something. What was it? I don't remember what the rumor was. Was it true? I don't even remember if it was true. <laughs> she doesn't
1: remember what the rumor was. I don't was, remember any of that. Supposedly. But
0: here's what he said to me.
1: Was it about those bell bottoms oh, you used to gosh. wear?
0: Here's what he said to me. He said, honey, at least uh. they're talking about you. Oh. And he snapped at me. And you know what? He's right. Honestly, like, if you Oh, you're, really?
1: You like that? Yes,
0: I love that. Because if someone takes the time to write me an email complaining about how I talk, wow, I really made an impression on them. So, wow. For better or worse, you're taking that, it.
2: I'll add to that is that I have a, what I call the 24 hour rule. So I never- A lot of rules today. Yeah. yeah. So I never respond to, yeah. let's say someone writes a negative article. I agree, it's good, they're talking about you, but never respond to the article because else you're giving that person, your entire audience, when they might not have, you know, uh, you know or they might, they might not really be saying something meaningful, but if you respond to it, suddenly you gave meaning to what they say. Mm. And so if you respond, you got to reset the clock. It's 24 hours, you, you, it'll disappear. Um, If you stop responding, mm. so you just have to stop though. I like it. And then
1: 24 hours later. It's gone May I answer my own question? Yes, a little bit? please. So if the question were how does one respond to? You know feedback negative or positive the thing that I like to do is Set myself up in the mindset of or almost pretend that I'm in like a, a teacher student or coaching Coachy situation. So, in other words, I'll, I'll give you, for instance. So, yeah. you guys know I like golf, right? Kind of too much. Mm-hmm. I, I love it, love it, love it. And I'm and I'm taking uh, uh, lessons um, from a guy who is a golf coach for a living. But we don't call him a coach. In my case, we call him a teacher because he's not coaching me; he's teaching me. And it's amazing. So, even though you know, I consider myself a fairly competent human. You know, I I do stuff right. When I'm in that position and he's the teacher and I'm the student, I am totally, 100% absolutely subservient. If he tells me to hinge my wrists lower... Well, that's what I'm paying him for. Well, it's what I'm paying him for, but it's kind of um, putting myself in a position of submission or acceptance or accepting that he's not necessarily that he's the master, but he's there to teach me. I find... That when I'm receiving criticism, that might be from someone in my family about how I handled the situation, mm-hmm. or if I write something and a reader or listener writes in, that's what I try to do. I try to kind of overlay that layer, that that feeling of putting myself in the scenario of this person is trying to teach or instruct or coach, and they may even if they're coming from a place of malice. I mean, maybe even especially if they're coming from a place Wait, of malice. Really,
0: that works for you.
1: It helps me see the content that they're delivering in an, not in an unvarnished way, but without the emotion of like, "Ooh, I don't like that they're saying something to me that's going to hurt my feelings. It helps you look at the content and then you judge it and say, is that something valuable to me? Could I learn something from that and improve? Yeah, it does help. I, I, I think, I think Maybe, that's a very healthy
2: way to look at it. Like, I think it's a very Zen approach. Like, you notice the reaction happening to you of like, oh, I can't believe this person and taking that out of the equation before you respond mentally or
1: or whatever. Because it's hard, because when someone does... Can I just
0: ask, I just want to drill down a little bit. So you're saying, like, if, if, if let's say, Levitt said to you, Stephen Levitt, your partner um, in all things Freakonomics, if he said to you, Stephen, um, you know, the way you did you that... You should have never had
1: Manoush on your show. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the way you did that show, I thought you could have done X. Are you able... I mean, obviously, it's complicated with him. You guys go way, way back and very deep, but do you say, like... I know that this is coming from Steven and maybe he, I don't know, whatever, had a bad day. You just put him aside, and you only listen to the, the criticism itself, the content.
1: So the weird thing is that Levitt and I rarely, we have a very strange way of critiquing each other, which is mostly ignoring <laughs> mm, the other one <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> well I think because um, you each have you each do different things completely there's a nice
2: line between what you do yeah. on the free economics books and what Levitt does
1: but if he did something so I'm trying to think of that scenario um well, that's a little bit different. Um, no, I, look, bad every— Bad example? Every, okay. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's a bad example. But the key just every, here, you
0: strip away the person and you only focus I'll, on I'll give you the saying. more
1: pure example. Okay. This is the more common example, at least. Maybe not the more pure example. I ask example. because I want to learn. Okay. So I get a lot of emails, as I'm sure everyone listening to this gets a lot of emails. And, you know, we put out—you uh, know, I, I write a lot of stuff. And Freakonomics Radio is the the, the main thing that I'm writing regularly right now. And, you know, you put out a new episode and you immediately get 20, 30, 50, a couple hundred emails of people saying stuff. Some of them are praiseworthy. Some of them are critiquing. Some of them telling you what you left out, da-da-da-da-da. And I find that if I have time to read them and and I see that if you can see right off the bat that they are critical, meaning critiquing, meaning Mm -hmm. having negative negative feedback – then it's very, very easy to just, like, get that immediate psychological response and just say, well, this person is attacking me, ergo, what do I do? I either throw it away, I flee, I ignore it, whatever. And that's one way to do it. But I find that I kind of want the feedback because, like I said, we're always telling people you can't learn without feedback, you can't grow without Mm -hmm. feedback, you don't want to be in a silo and so on. And so what I try to do is I try to, like I said, put myself in the mindset of being a student – and, you know, in the Talmud, there's a, this beautiful passage about who does one learn from? One learn, f- learns from anyone. It's not just the sages, not just the masters, but the masters would go sit at the feet of the common man because everyone theoretically has something to teach anyone. And so I really do try to receive those uh, critiques in the spirit of the content. If someone says, but, but you know, I hated this show because when you said this, you should have gone there. If I stop at I hated this show, I'm never going to get the good stuff, and there may be good stuff. I
0: would just like to point out something. Both of you, as white men, are in an incredibly wonderful position to say to yourself, I need to put myself into a student. I think, as speaking as a woman, I have been told that I need to not listen to criticism Oh really? Yeah.
1: What do you mean, Manoush, when you say that uh, you've been instructed not to what take criticism seriously, or what what exactly?
0: No. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think a lot of women they've been told a lot what's wrong, but not as much as what's right. And so for me. Um, to get to a place where I feel confident enough to have the judgment to decide when somebody's full of shit Mm -hmm. and not full of shit, that's been a long road, you know? So I think for a lot of women, it's actually the opposite problem that they have. It's not— That they
1: listen too much to the criticism? Exactly.
0: Precisely. See,
1: I I totally see that as a problem. I don't know with women versus men, young versus old. But I totally—I've seen people become paralyzed by criticism. So when I say that I think it's really valuable to gain value from the criticism— What I guess I should have added, which is really, really important, is but if you're the one who's the creative person or the whatever you're doing, you're in charge of you, the most important thing you need to do is have good taste in knowing what's valuable criticism. Yes. Well, you
2: know, there's an interesting um, discussion Jerry Seinfeld, I think, had with Howard Stern about this very issue. So Howard Stern was like, everybody wanted you to do a ninth season or a tenth season or whatever season it was. Why didn't you do it? And Jerry Seinfeld said— that's why they're not in show business. And I am It's because I know when to stop and they don't. So I think, you know, you also have to respect where you are in terms of being a professional and being, you know, you're the one doing your show. You have to kind of, we we've all been talking mostly about strategies to insulate ourselves from criticism, as opposed you mentioned a strategy for taking the criticism, which may or may not be a good way to take criticism. But I think also we're talking about ways to insulate ourselves from feeling bad. And that's basically been the topic of this discussion.
0: Which I think brings us back to your tweeter, your tweet friend, um, your listener friend, who the original question, which was how to deliver criticism, correct? And I have to admit, I am not good at this. Try it. Try me. Well, I, <laughs> Stephen. Yes, Manish? I really love that shirt you're wearing. And I think, like, when you shave off that five o'clock shadow, you are going to look so sharp that was for right. the holiday party. you're,
1: that you're, you're. She's stealing my comedy. She's stealing my comedy. That's my. It's the kind of you know. <laughs> I appreciate this so much about you because yeah yeah. So can I just say yeah, th- this is not a five o'clock shadow. <laughs>
0: it's, a, it's an <laughs> on purpose. It's like six thirty. <laughs> uh,
1: all right, Manoush. Uh, so let me see how I would respond to that. Oh God. Um, <laughs> Let's see, the shirt was a gift from a friend, so you're complimenting the taste of someone other than me while critiquing the one choice that I did make, which which was to not <laughs> shave. And so how will I respond to this constructive criticism? What can you learn from, you're the student. Yeah, I-, I, know, I know how I'm gonna respond. Oh, you see no. this button right here, James? This is the one that ends the podcast. Last thing, don't forget to subscribe to Question of the Day on iTunes. And while you're there, take a second to rate the show or write a review. And be sure to catch the next Question of the Day, which will go something like this. Can money really buy happiness? You know, Manoush, of, you want to answer this first? Well, I want
2: to set a little bit of context because Stephen and I have spoken about this before where there is a study that shows yes. up to a certain income level. And in most of the country, it's about $70,000. Right. There is increasing happiness. And then it shows after $70,000 in income, there's less and less happiness. Right. But I do not like that study at all.